Audacious Compassion, Episode 25, Ramen Philosophy. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes, you're a dark night, and I'm the day, we're a wreck and that's Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa. And I'm Gregory. And today we'll be talking about demonstrating active compassion in the face of systemic injustice. So, Gregory, how are you doing? I'm doing actually real great. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much enjoying my days over the past few weeks oh and that's in part because i'm not working for anyone during them Uh, it's it's awesome uh it is the result of a contract ending sort of unexpectedly we just did a podcast dap yes there was there was a dap there that you couldn't see yeah but i think last month i talked about this this gig that i was doing Mm -hmm. and um it just you know it's i don't think that i did anything wrong and i don't think that they other than not not quite giving as much notice as I think they would have liked to. <laughs> I don't think that there was like anything that that they were like screwing me over on. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that like I've been just doing what stuff I want to do during the day. So <sighs> I've been able to do you know more work on future proof games. I've been able to do like personal projects and learning and yeah. video games and your Patreon I'm, is kicked back. My up Patreon's again. kicked back up. Patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. Um, I've been like practicing drawing. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Um, 3D modeling any? Uh, actually, no, I should do more sculpting in VR. That's, yeah. that's very cool. Uh, but something that's kept coming into my head lately is that I can kind of afford to do this. Like mm-hmm. I saved up a decent amount of money and I've still got like a pretty big invoice coming in yeah. from the, you know, the last chunk of time at, at the, at the gig and like. It's very nice that I'm in a situation where I can get fired, essentially. Yeah. Um, and not have to just immediately be on the grind to get a new job ASAP. Yeah, because that is super stressful. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to interview well when the clock is ticking. I, I've been thinking a lot about how much worse it would be for me if I wasn't lucky enough to have that that mm-hmm. egg saved up. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> on the flip side, uh, I have been doing a lot of, uh, conducting interviews. Um, All right. Big, important <laughs> business person. Look, I am out of a boss again. <laughs> and so, um, we are again without a team lead. And so I've been, um, doing phone screens with my temporary boss, who's sort of my grand boss, ultimately, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we, a recruiter gives us a resume. We say, okay, maybe um, we send back some, some written questions that are like, do you have this much experience with mobile development or SharePoint or whatever? Um, and then they come back with yeses and nos, and we decide to do a phone screen. Phone screen takes about 45 minutes, which we ask managerially type questions. Like, do you have any leadership training? Which the answer is yeah. always no. Tech people never get leadership training read some books well no they don't oh even wow i book. could i could see, i was able to say yeah i've read this book this book this book and this book and i support this philosophy and not this one yep nope nope Oof. yep it's real not even who moved my cheese it's real rough out there so so 
And then you ask manager questions, you ask some technical questions, and uh, it's tough. It's interesting because I help decide whether we do a phone screen sometimes. Like, you know, we've done X number of, of phone screens and we've done we've gotten three times that of resumes, right? Okay, so whether you do a phone screen or just don't call back. Right. Um, and so I always worry when a name comes through and if my grandboss is a little cold on that person, mm-hmm. I, f- I like really, really struggle with like, is this okay? And like, we're talking, I mean, we're talking about names that sound black or foreign or something, right? Yeah. Or women. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or any of the above. Um, and there's been like very, very solid research and oh, that, that incredible. this is absolutely yep. a thing that, that yep. that first step people react strongly to all sorts of information that if you mask sort of the identity of the person, right. that decisions get made very differently. Right. Um, and then, you know, like, what is the gender of a person whose name is not American? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care, dude. Like, you know. Oh, like, there will be speculation about it before yeah, the screen? Yeah, like, you know. Um, and so, on the one hand, we want to give allowances to people for whom we do not think English is their first language. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, do you have the same vocab that we have for talking about technical things? Which can be a... You know, like if you talk to someone who says that they're a senior developer, but they don't know basic terms, mm-hmm. that's kind of a real ding. And so, like, we, you know, there's definitely space there to navigate. Um, but I'm definitely kind of, I, f- I feel like I have to be extra cognizant of these issues and the fact that my boss might be biased yeah. unintentionally or otherwise against these people. Um, also, it's grueling. Y'all, like... It's an hour per phone screen. I don't like spending that much time on the phone ever. And, you, and to actually have to think during it. And you kind of say the same thing over, like, I've got a template, you know, and I'm trying to make it sound like a template, but, like, clearly I have a template. Because um, I would be, like, I have to have some way to at least compare people. So, anyway, it's um, it's interesting. I hope that we find someone soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, in part because... I miss working with someone who was inspiring. Yeah. Not that my other colleagues aren't, but I mean, like, I don't want to settle. I don't want to feel like we picked someone for this spot because we got to number 20. And And, and I don't think you're being, from the stories I've heard, you're not being particularly picky. I don't think so, but I think my boss and I feel like old curmudgeonly people (laughs) sometimes where I'm like, remember the days when you could ask what a JavaScript closure was and people would know, you know, like whatever, it's nothing. Um, So I don't think so either. Yeah. (laughs) We, we actually spent some time today kind of reevaluating our questions, but um, yeah, so that's been, like I said, it's been stressful. It's been tiring. Um, It's hard to maintain your optimism after doing 10, doing 15. Um, So, yeah. Good luck. Thank you. So our prompt today comes from a friend of the show, and um, I've kind of converted this from a verbal conversation that we had. They say, I really like your show, but I have a hard time figuring out how to apply your ideas. I work in an industry where I see active misogyny all the time, but even being a small business owner, I don't feel like I have any power to help the people around me. If I refuse to work with a supplier or a bank because they treat women like shit, they won't even notice. I'm not doing well enough to hire more than a temp employee, and I put my own livelihood at risk if I call people out. 
How do I keep from feeling powerless? And how do I act compassionately instead of just feeling angry about what I see? Yeah, I mean, feeling angry is totally justified. Like, yeah, totally. there's awful stuff. Uh, people are in awful situations mm-hmm. right now and have and, been. Yeah. Yeah, forever. Um, but I don't know. It, I mean, part of the, the thing is what is it you're angry about? What is it that is actually bugging you? So you can't solve world economic injustice by yourself, right? And even if you do the right things, then it will take a long time and a lot of, of effort. Yeah, but I think I think they want to know what they can do about the situations happening right in front of them. Like, imagine that you're standing in line at the grocery store and someone in front of you is being treated like crap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what do you, you know, that's not the world. That's just the person in front of you. But I think that ideally, if you kind of look at why you're feeling what you're feeling and what it is you want to be contributing and what it is you can contribute and mm-hmm. still, you know, take care of yourself, I think that that can lead to a point where you're, you might still be angry at the situation, but you're not feeling that, like, pain of worrying that you're not doing enough. Like, yeah. having a plan and, and knowing what you want from what you want to help with, I think can can ease that kind of immediate like powerlessness that can actually hurt your ability to make a difference. Yeah, so even if you can't necessarily execute on that, but to be able to concretely imagine, I guess that's that's maybe an oxymoron, but <laughs> to, to concretely imagine what it is you wish were happening instead. Yeah. Um, or what you wish you could do. It's not to say don't be emotional about it, be rational, but like focus that emotion, use hmm. it as a, use it towards an end. Okay, so how do you use that emotion if you can't actually, or you don't feel able to actually do something? Well, I mean, part of that is that there's this concept in in uh, workers' movements and and a lot of of similar societies of solidarity, mm-hmm. which is that. We often feel like we're kind of in our separate bubbles and unable to affect each other, mm-hmm. uh, and that the problems other people have are their, you know, their problems that you can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. But really, like, if you say you're a you're a small business owner that whose livelihood is at risk, like, you're one of the people that is having trouble with this system. Right. You are also right. Yes, you are also kind of subjected to the fact that you don't get to call people out without being in serious risk. Just like this these women can't right yeah and i mean you certainly have privileges that they don't and they might have privileges that you don't Mm -hmm. and recognizing that you're in the same boat even if you're in different parts of that boat (laughs) none of you are up on the top deck you're all in the hold right uh having that will let you be like hey what if i were in their shoes right like you of course, can't understand all of it, right? But you can at least get a start by going, "Oh, hey, if someone treated me like that, yep. what would I wish that person over there had done?" Right. Yep. If they had, if they had been able to, if they could have, yeah. And I've worked for some one one small business uh, that was very new, and the the struggle is real. Like you know, there, there's part of you that's kind of like, well. They've got a business, right? Like there's a definitely a privilege there. They had enough capital to start one. They had enough capital to hire people. Um, but when things weren't great, <laughs> mm-hmm. they were 
paying out of pocket yeah. for like salary, you know, and they couldn't afford to fire clients, you know? So like it's, it is superficially easy to kind of think that these folks have no problems or that once you own a business, you are in the Trump category of millionaire. Yeah. Right. Um, flying free, but that is not how it works. That is really not how it works being a, being a business owner. And if the industry around you is steeped in a behavior that is considered completely normal, right. Um, and you know, my example of bias against names is, one example but mm -hmm. just imagine right i think that you, you run in different things in like mechanics auto mechanics and different right. things in tech and mm -hmm. different things in i don't know medicine. hairdressers medicine certainly yep so one thing that i think can help is instead of like like you said thinking about everyone as being in these sort of separate boats you're mm -hmm. all in the same boat and that helps you think a little smaller like keep your keep your unconscious biases in mind mm -hmm. um such that you know you don't have to solve the whole world's problem but you can you can when you're interacting with someone you can look directly at them keep in mind the fact that this is how women are treated this might be how i might accidentally treat this woman right mm -hmm. like this is all stuff that that is good to read up on that sounds weird like read up on your biases but yeah, like but yeah i mean it's, it's useful in. to be like you know hear reports of people who are in the category that you want to to help and so that you can better understand them exactly and, and something i always try and keep in mind is everyone virtually everyone i interact with over the course of a day is an expert in what they do yep right like i could never wait tables as well as someone does any day I go to a restaurant right. without years of training. Right. And all, you know, the, the, the person that's at the front desk who's, who's, you know, being treated like they're just someone to clean the coffee pots mm -hmm. also does, I mean, probably clean this with coffee pots pretty darn well. Sure. And also, you know, answers phones does, is a, is an important. Does their ordering, does their, yes. like I, I work with, some office managers and there's much more <laughs> there's so much behind that label the the face the heart and the sometimes the brain mm -hmm. of the company yep at least the the reflexes certainly mm -hmm. and and looking at people like that instead of how kind of this the worst parts of this world want you to look at them yeah uh, can help you like help guide how to treat people and how to help people so it might be like you know, hey, that so-and-so at the front desk is sharp. Every time you, you know, every time you talk to that person's boss, just mention right. like, hey, they they helped me out real well. In like the least smarmy way possible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not like, not like, oh boy, that person you've got on your front desk, hey, I sure like dealing with them. Right. Yeah, don't do that. Um, you can, you can certainly like help people network. Yep. If, so if you see someone being mistreated. Mm -hmm. See if you, like, if you know someone who could do that business with them, be like, hey, maybe try so-and-so down the street. Yeah. Or I have good luck with this bank or this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Let me know if you want me to give your number to so-and-so at this other place. Right. And, I mean, those kind of referrals, like, everybody appreciates them. There's right, no, yeah. Yeah, like, there's no one who's like, eh, you know what, don't refer people to me. <laughs> um. And so helping helping folks out that way in your industry as much as you can 
Um, cause it, you know, even if that one doesn't pan out, there might be something else. I don't know. You're kind of helping offer people chances. And you can also look at just like, if you're making purchasing decisions, look at who you're buying from. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got two companies, both of which are offering the same prices and roughly the same quality, and one of them you feel is more in line with your values than the other, yep. just make that pick every time. And right. you can also even, you know, going back to the, to the like self-empathy, looking at your own values thing, you could put a price on how much am I willing to spend to be better in this circumstance? Yeah. And if yeah. it means paying X amount of dollars more for a widget, mm-hmm. then is that worth it to you to pay a little bit more in order to, to be helping someone that you like and will feel better about rather than someone that makes you feel frustrated and angry? Exactly. And depending on the industry, there are resources for finding those businesses oh yeah yeah so like pretty much any category you're looking at well um, yeah that's what i'm I'm less sure of there's right, people of there's... color owned i know there's queer owned there's women owned and and not just owned but various like hiring or or policies mm-hmm. um, and so i know that there is a um a black game developers list because mm-hmm. i'm on it <laughs> um but that's also like tech is weird right like it's very leaning there's there's a lot of privilege in yeah. being in tech where the okay i make a website that lists people of of color who do this thing and that's presumably not true of of all industries that can help at least give you some options of things to explore mm-hmm. and you can see you know like what's local or what's you know, depending on whatever your constraints are on how you do your business um what's in my area and and in, in a sense you're building up your own network too mm-hmm. you're you know kind of building out a web of, okay, these people's prices were a little too high, but maybe I know someone who's doing a little better who could work with that business instead, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, in a lot of businesses, there's sort of a casting a wide net thing where you've mm-hmm. you've kind of got the category of like, oh, I'm going to pitch to this group, you know, this company or whoever, and I don't think I'll get it, but it won't take me much time to do it. Right. If you focus those pitches on that mm-hmm. class of of company even if you're like yeah. i'll probably never get hired to for uh, i don't know greek orthodox women's group <laughs> like okay cool send them a pamphlet anyway right like if you yeah you'll at least be kind of expanding who you look at as potential collaborators and also like if one of them hits you up it's because they think it's worth it right right and so you are helping them out if you're doing a thing that they want you to do right um so yeah that and also remembering to be kind to yourself yep wanting to help wanting to do to actively help not just to feel bad um quote-unquote white guilt i guess yeah same category of of whatever um that matters like yeah. I mean, we could we've surely argued on this podcast about how much intention matters, so right. we can set that aside. Um, but I think I think it matters, and I think that you should you should be glad that you want to. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, wanting to help already puts you in a position where you're going to make better choices right. than someone who doesn't actively have that desire. Exactly, and, and also so- like. Like be nice to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you beat yourself up enough that you're stressed, or if you um, actually do something that you can't afford to do and mm-hmm. hurt your livelihood, then you're going to be less effective in the future at helping people. Right. There's it's a... better to help one person a day than to help ten people one day. Right. 
there are some very good activists who have written about sort of the cost of activism mm-hmm. and the self-care is a complicated term, right? right. But like the, the kind of almost codependence that can develop among activists where you hurt yourself to try to help others and then you run out and then you're done and then you're completely disappearing from the space instead of having the stamina to, to keep doing it for years. Yeah. Sustainability is yeah. something that I think about a lot with regard to that. I don't have any book recommendations for that. But like, yeah. uh, um, I think that a unit of caring is always a good person to read on mm-hmm. self care in the face of activism, even if her stuff might not directly relate to your stuff. Yeah, um, she's not a small business owner, right? But a unit of caring And uh, I feel like Duray has written uh, some stuff about this, although hopefully, hopefully not just on Twitter. As Duray McKesson, um, activist. Um, recently released a book that i need to read but um, we'll try and put links in the show notes yeah. for those folks yeah we'll see what we can do so what have you been inspired by lately well i have been watching a lot of what is called left tube oh no this youtube rough not like not official network but rough conglomeration <laughs> of youtube channels that tend to collaborate together that are generally politically left mm-hmm. and you and i are both dirty leftists and we've been sharing videos back and forth <laughs> And uh, the one that especially, I think, the one that sort of got me into looking at this community as a thing is ContraPoints. Ah, yes. Who's a, she's a a philosopher and political commentator, I guess. I, I have no idea how to, how to categorize yeah, these people. Yeah, but she does, uh, Natalie Wynn is the, is the actual person behind the channel. ContraPoints is sort of a character she plays. Yeah. Um, but... But she does. She did an amazing piece recently on incels, the in, involuntary celibate, weird, mis, misogynistic community. Hate, hateful of many things. Yeah, hate group of and the, self-hate group of themselves. Yeah, like, that is the oh my god. Um, and that that video was just it was beautifully compassionate. Yes, in a way that absolutely did not apologize for any of the awful stuff in the in that community Mm -hmm. but it it did things it's like hey this is awful and it makes you do awful things and it relates to other things that i've experienced yep and it definitely related to things i have experienced in various corners of the internet yeah we should link to that video in the yeah definitely um she just did a just recently did a video so I haven't watched it yet. No spoilers. Okay, no spoilers, but it's it's entitled, I think, on aesthetics. I think it's just aesthetics, and it is about uh, gender. A lot of her stuff is about gender. She talks a lot about about misogyny and and identity and trans issues and queer issues. She had a real hard time describing this video, which is why I was like, like the 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 post for it was like, well. I don't know what this is, so I was very I was very excited yep. to watch it. Yeah, it's I like it. It is it is one of those where it's an exploration rather than an argument, hmm, but it's it, cool. It should be interesting. So contrapoints is the one that I've been most following, but there's also philosophy tube it's is my, one that I've been watching. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's that is definitely like every episode is like, hey, let's talk about this current events issue coupled with this aspect of philosophy yes um and he said that like part of his goal of the channel is to offer free philosophy education Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool uh what else um sean 
Yep, just Sean. Used to be called Sean and Jen, but is now Sean. With a U. Um, just person who tends to do like in-depth analyses of right-wing uh, mm-hmm. YouTube videos and discussing like, you know, what which parts of this are right and which parts are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, H-Bomber guy, yes. surprisingly enough. Who uh, has the absolute best, this is why Sherlock is bad. Yes. The British uh, Sherlock, which... Much like everybody on the internet, it took me until third or fourth season to realize. Yeah, I very that. much enjoyed watching it, but he's absolutely right. He is absolutely right. Um, but yeah, he does a lot more like artistic, cultural commentary, criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does very over the top, weird, dramatic videos that are yeah. very cool. And I'm uh, probably Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay we Ellis, followed for a while. Folding Ideas, who did yes the again the best uh, Fifty Shades of very lukewarm. Fifty Shades of Grey Defense, the movies, that includes some of these other people we have listed, reading dialogue from the books (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that is just hilarious. So So what have you been inspired by lately? Um, Sort of piggybacking on that, I have been inspired by a friend of ours, a friend of the show, advocate of the show, (laughs) Lucy Arnold. Um... As I was watching all of these left cube things, uh, so so Lucy is a PhD student, soon to be PhD. We're all rooting for her. Yes, all rooting. Um, and so as I'm watching these left cube things, and they're you know they're just like listing these philosophers and producing these book lists, and I'm like feeling kind of not smart, like. Yeah, I mean, I've tried reading philosophy for years and have not really succeeded much. Right. Now, you know, I have this problem with, like, Austin Walker, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll listen to Austin talk, and I'll be like, oh, my God, he's the same age I am. What am I doing with my life? I don't know anything about Heidegger. (laughs) So, as I'm watching this stuff, I'm like, hey, Lucy, you quote philosophers sometimes. How much of this do you, how much of this is, like, normal? How much of this do you already know? She's like, you know. A lot. Who <laughs> like? Wait, what? Like, I go have ramen with someone who can like quote this stuff as readily as these people do. It's not that I thought Lucy was like randomly quoting bits of yeah three philosophers or anything. Um, it's just I think in part that I didn't really understand the entirety of of her education process. Um, but what it has done is. It has turned some of these philosophers from, like, something that three British people? I think three <laughs> of the people we have listed are British. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So. Um, from three British people quoting interesting people in, in interesting ways to being like, here's this cool person I hang out with a lot who's like, yeah, I read this stuff. And can recommend, like, which of the things exactly. you should read and which you shouldn't. Exactly. Um so I asked her for a list of three books, at which point she went into conniptions trying to come up <laughs> trying with Trying to just... cut it down to three. <laughs> um, and so I've, I've started one of them. I started Foucault, um, Madness and Civilization, or Civilization and Madness. One of so you're going to be listening to an audiobook of Foucault on the road this, I am. this weekend? Yes, I am driving uh, eight hours each way this weekend. Seven hours each way this weekend. Um, and the book is ten hours long, so we will see. Uh, I have to stay awake. I'm the only person to drive. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it feels doable knowing that like a friend of mine did it. Yeah. It's like running a marathon. Yep. 
So today we've been talking about sort of how to demonstrate active, real compassion when what you're seeing happen around you is systemic injustice, things that you can't defeat by just sort of wishing it didn't exist. Yeah, that's something that I think hopefully everyone struggles a little bit with at some point. I certainly do. And I mean, recognizing where that struggle is coming from and that the reason you're feeling rough is because there's rough stuff going on and that's okay, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to let it consume you. You can do what you can about it, I think is is real important. Mm -hmm. And maybe, like, in the way that I've been kind of inspired to start reading some of this stuff, maybe be inspired to, like, read up on ways to be an activist. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's, you know, we're very commonly thinking now about call-out culture Mm -hmm. and Twitter and, like, what activism looks like in this sliver of moment for certain kinds of people. Um, But there are a lot of ways to think about resistance that are not just the current American liberal way to think Mm -hmm. about resistance. Um, So there are avenues to explore there. And there are a lot of little things you can do and still be sustainable and be able to maintain your own resources and your Mm -hmm. own health and your own happiness and continue making a difference and continue being able to, to be an activist. Right. And, you know, it's, it can be as simple as do I pick you know, this, this supplier, this supplier, do I go to this grocery store or this grocery store? Mm-hmm. If, if I am hiring a temp, can I prefer candidates who are disadvantaged in my field? Yeah. People who have trouble starting, who, mm-hmm. you know, who need a leg up or people who, uh, you would normally be biased against mm-hmm. just as not necessarily you personally, but just that culture wants you to be biased against. Exactly. I mean, I remember the first time when it's like you need something on your resume so that you can get a second yep. job. <laughs> that's yep. that's real tough. <laughs> so being able to be that person. Yeah. I remember who that person was for me, certainly. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweird.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y dash W-E-I-R dot net. You can find the show on Twitter and on Facebook at AudaciousCast. If you want to like us or follow us or recommend us to your friends, that would be great. That would be awesome. That's how we get new listeners. Yeah. And if you rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, find a way to rate us. <laughs> oh, preferably. Please. <laughs> I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found at Melissa Avery Weir at Mastodon.social. And I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir or at LudisNovus.net. And together we run a video game studio called Futureproof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Music